When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. They put you on the operating table. In the room, there are two OBs, two labor and delivery nurses, three NICU nurses, the doctor from the NICU, one anesthesiologist, and my husband. So it's a full room, there's lights, camera actions, there's literally lights everywhere. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is happening? Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Birthway Podcast. In this episode, I'm really excited to interview Cami Buskila. She is an awesome lifestyle blogger. She's a wife and a mom. She established her Instagram account, The Mommy Dictionary, in 2015. It's an ever-evolving lifestyle blog and social media account. She has four children, Benjamin, who's six, Bella, who's two and a half, and her twins, David and Sophia, who are four months old. And they keep her on her toes, but she manages to do it in style. I love what Cami stands for. Her content encompasses being a mom, a woman, and fashion lover, and she integrates all of those parts into her life so beautifully. Before we start the interview, I wanted to let you know about a great new course for preteen girls called Girls Growing Up. Let's be real, many mothers have a hard time talking to their daughters about puberty. Well, Dr. Alyssa Hellman, who's a girl mom and an orthodox gynecologist, has you covered. She designed this course, which is designed to be understood by preteen girls and watched with or without their mothers. It covers the Torah perspective, anatomy definitions and diagrams with helpful explanations to prepare young girls for the changes of puberty, all in an easy-to-understand, comfortable way. You can sign up at theconfidentkala.com or through Dr. Hellman's Instagram page at theconfidentkala. Hi, Cammy. Welcome to the show. It's such a privilege to have you here. Thank you for having me. So I really enjoy following you. And I started my Instagram account sometime around um, summer of 2020. And then I think shortly after that, you announced that you were pregnant. Yes. And I really enjoyed following along your journey. And there was a beautiful, wonderful, awesome surprise at the end because you had not one, but two babies. Yep. Surprise. That was fantastic. Um, I'm sure it was great, like content wise too, you know? Yeah. Boy and girl, it's great. Right. Exactly. You get to uh, showcase everything, the girl stuff, the boy stuff. And these are your third and fourth, Kenai Nahara. I have a six-year-old son, Benjamin, and a two, almost three-year-old Bella. 
I would just love to hear your first birth stories. I'd love to hear what it was like to be pregnant with twins and how it was different. Every pregnancy for everyone is different, one from the next. People are so surprised to experience that. A lot of times I have patients and they say to me, I I was not expecting this. It was so different with my first. And I think even more so when you're having twins. Okay, so the first pregnancy, I say to everybody, there is nothing like a first pregnancy. You're in bed all day. You don't have to take care of anybody else but yourself. I ate what I wanted. I did what I wanted. I had such a great pregnancy. I mean, of course, with that came not feeling well. But again, I was able to just stay in bed and it was super easy on me. I literally would sleep till like one in the afternoon. It was great. Um, I was 10 days late with my son. So that was just a little bit difficult. But other than that, super easy um, delivery, a little bit of a challenging labor because I had back labor, but otherwise carefree. Like, what's the big deal? I'm pregnant and I have nobody else to take care of and I give birth and I don't have anybody else to take care of at home. So we would sleep together, him and I, and we would just hang out. His nap schedule was like my nap schedule. It was fantastic. And then um, I got pregnant again when he was about two and I miscarried from that pregnancy. And then I got pregnant with Bella a couple months later and that just ruined pregnancy for me. I was constantly checking if I'm bleeding, constantly checking if I was still pregnant. My doctor says he wishes all patients could have like what he calls a first pregnancy because you have nothing to compare it to. And with my second pregnancy, I was kept comparing it to my first pregnancy, but it was totally different because I had a miscarriage in between and I was carrying a girl. So I was super nauseous. I did not feel well. I broke out in hives in my seventh month till I gave birth. Like I was allergic to my daughter. (laughs) That's what I always say. Um, Otherwise, it was pretty smooth. My delivery was super quick, super fast. I think it was like a total of 11 minutes. Thank God, really, really easy. So vaginal, super quick. With my son, I think I pushed a total of 18 minutes. And with my daughter, it was like a little bit shorter, but it was nothing too crazy or too long. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. And I have to say, uh, I think it's so great that you found your first baby a great experience. I think a lot of people are just shocked by how overwhelming it is caring for a newborn. So that's awesome as well. That's really great. So two babies pretty close together. And then they were actually not super close. Bella and Benjamin are about um, three and a half years, their age difference, which is pretty large. Um, I felt that it was a little confusing for him. Once my daughter was born, he didn't really know what to do with himself because he was three and a half. He was a big boy with this time around, since I already had so like trouble getting pregnant, I had to take fertility treatment. I did Clomad to get pregnant with Bella. Um, We knew that it would be a journey. So we started pretty soon after Bella turned one and it was COVID and it was the whole nine yards. I was going to fertility treatments by myself. You were pretty open on Instagram about having PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that can cause a lot of dysregulation with periods and with ovulation. So you said you had to take Clomid injections, which are pretty common for people who have PCOS. I did not get the injections. I did the pill route. Oh, okay. It's just easier. It's, you know, you take it orally. Less needle jabs. Yep. For sure. 
So you took Clomid, which again is a popular thing that people who have PCOS take when they want to get pregnant. And what it does is, is it induces ovulation and it increases the chances of ovulating more than one egg, which can make you have twins. So with Bella, I ovulated six eggs and I ended up with just one. And this time around with the twins, I ovulated. It didn't work. I had to do a few rounds of Clomid, um, which was, you know, hard on its own because I, I thought it would just work right away, but it didn't. Um, and so I thought, okay, we have, I got four viable eggs out of the ovulation. I was like, great, I'm going to have one because with Bella, I had six and now I have four. Not a chance that I'm going to have multiples. But as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I had a very weird feeling that it was going to be twins. Like we didn't even know yet because you go, when you go to a fertility doctor, you're, you go three times a week to be monitored Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they check you, they do all your blood work. So, you know, I didn't even know yet at that point, I really was just newly, newly pregnant. And then I went for my eight week appointment all by myself because men weren't allowed at the time. And my doctor goes, okay, here's baby A. And here's baby B. And I did not even react. I was like, I knew it. There was no like shock. I was not surprised. My husband was shocked. But I was like, okay. And the first thing I said to my doctor is I feel so bad for my OB because I'm going to be a wreck. That's what I said to my doctor. When, when Every time I got pregnant, I was always so anxious until I got that first ultrasound and saw that it wasn't twins because I was just like anxious about the challenges that twins present. Were you like that or were you just kind of happy that you're getting two? So I was really excited, but I was also very nervous in terms of my body. I'm the first person to admit that I'm very hard on myself. And I was very nervous about what I would look like. Um, if I would get stretch marks, if I would be massive, like what my body is going to look like. But then when I was going through my actual pregnancy, I carried, it's called bunk bed twins, which is one was very internal and one was on top. So I wasn't huge at all, but with that comes extreme discomfort. You can't eat, you can't breathe. I was not allowed to have any soup according to my doctor because it's not enough nutrition and it's too filling. There was just so many rules. I pretty much was starving and I couldn't eat because once I would eat, I wouldn't feel well. I had to have a chiropractor work on my back because the way that the baby was sitting was on my spine. It was just, I didn't even have time to worry about what I looked like because I felt like such garbage. I was in bed pretty much all day, every day, maybe got dressed for two hours. Um, So it was quite a challenge and I really neglected my other two kids for you know nine months and my parents took care of them and that was really really hard for me because I'm a very hands-on parent and I just was not able to be there and I knew that it affected my kids because they would tell me but at the same time I had to make sure that I was doing what was best for myself and my body and my twins at the time and it was it was very hard I'm not gonna like sugarcoat it but it was worth it I would do it again you weren't neglecting your kids you employed help so that your kids would not be neglected. You just had to outsource it. So neglected by me, meaning to say like, you're still a good mom because you had the help and you used it instead of trying to do it all on your own and pretending that it will work out. And the nice thing is, is kids are so resilient. Like as long as they get consistent love from you, 
those nine months may have been hard for them, but you gave them such a big gift. You gave them siblings. My son actually was begging me for twins. My son, my whole pregnancy, he would, when I light candles Friday night, my kids give like staka and they stand next to me. And like, he would literally like Davin and be like, Hashem, please give my mommy twins, a boy and a girl so that our family is even. And I get a brother and Bella will get a sister. And every time he'd be like, mom, is it twins? Did you check if it's twins? And I wasn't telling him. So it was very cute that he had this like weird intuition that I was having twins and it was a boy and a girl. Oh, wow. What's he davening for next? I know. I'm like, we're, we're going to stop davening now. <laughs> Start davening maybe like, I don't know, for like a million bucks or something, you know? <laughs> okay. So um, pregnancy was horrible. I'm sorry. I think that it's not too for the price of one. At least my patients that I experience, like it's it's extra work, a pregnancy with twins usually. Yes. Two for the price of two, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally believe it. Did you tell anyone that you were having twins? Anyone at all? So I told my immediate family, like my siblings, and then we only felt it fair that we tell my husband's siblings. Um, and then I told my two very best friends in the world, like my best, best, best friends. I was doing my house at the time, so my designer knew. And then one other person who was organizing my house knew. And I've learned a very valuable lesson in life is that you really can't tell secrets to people because it will get out. <laughs> so somebody who wasn't necessarily their right to share, shared it with people. And that's okay because it's water under the bridge now and I'm done with it and it's fine. I just thought it, like it would be a fun surprise and it ended up being a surprise for some people, but some people found out. <laughs> Definitely for your Instagram followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. really nice of you to include whoever you did, though. Yeah. Now, what happened with delivery? Because I know that that went a little differently, too. Yeah. So the way that it works with twins is they generally induce you, unless you go into labor, between 37 and 38 weeks. Um, usually people need a C-section for twins because there will always be a high risk or one baby won't be in the right position. For me, even with my other two, well, it was only really Bella. Bella, when I was pregnant with her, she flipped at 38 weeks to sideways, it's called transverse. And then she reflipped down at 39 weeks and thank God she stayed down. So I have a history of my babies turning very late and my twins turn, they were head down till 36 weeks. At 36 weeks, they turned transverse, both of them. And I had this really strong feeling that they will turn back if I'm allotted the time to allow them to turn back. My doctors were adamant about scheduling a C-section and how it's not gonna happen and it's twins and it's difficult and yada, yada, yada. And I just had this gut feeling like, no, they're gonna turn. If I would need a C-section, fine, no problem. But I don't think I need one. So I actually went overdue with twins till 39 weeks. Overdue air quotes, but yeah. And I want to say that, first of all, definitely a much greater like likelihood for someone with twins to have a C-section, but it's definitely also realistic to have a vaginal delivery if twin A at least is head down. Um, even if twin B, the the twin that's higher up is is breech or transverse, 
many, most, I think, doctors would be willing to try it, given the fact that you know that there is a possibility that you can have both a vaginal delivery and a C-section. So some people just opt to have a C-section if they have the first baby head down and the second baby transverse or breach. And other people opt to take the chance because a lot of times it's easier to flip the baby B. Um, and obviously, if both heads are down, then that's really much easier to have a vaginal delivery. And if baby A is breached, most doctors will not do an external cephalic version, which is turning the baby, which which is something that um, you can have done if you just have one. And I love how you advocated for yourself and said, no, I'm not like, I'm not going to, I want the time to wait and see if you can have that vaginal delivery. So I love that. And there is no actual established guidelines for when to induce with twins or how long to allow twins to go in a pregnancy. So it's kind of provider preference. So like you said, a lot of providers do choose to induce twins, but that's pretty cool that you went to 39 weeks. And again, everything was done with like medical permission. I had high fluid. I was great. Like the twins were doing fine. Um, You had more frequent monitoring than a single baby also, right? And like, literally, you should just move into the hospital. You go in. I went in twice a week because I also had a couple of complications um, that they needed to make sure that they're, they saw. It's called like bright bowels um, in baby A. And they needed to monitor that. So I was there twice a week. But then anyway, once you're 36 weeks, you go twice a week when you have twins. Um, so I actually had a chiropractor work on me. He specifically like specializes in turning babies without actually physically touching the babies. He worked on me and he opened up my hips and he opened up everything that was supposed to be opened. Um, And then we went for the sonogram and they're like, oh, baby A and baby B are head down. Let's do this. Nice. Yeah. So Tuesday I went in to get my, you know, induction because again, I wasn't in labor. I didn't go into labor. I never went into labor with any of my kids. I was always induced. So I got induced. And what they do is they break baby A's water. If they're in two different sacks, they broke baby A's water. I started to go into labor. They take you to the OR. They wish you to the OR. They give you like the hat and everything. It's really scary. Not going to lie. Yeah, and it is. It's scary to be in the OR. And the reason why, even if you're having a vaginal delivery, most places will take you into the operating room. Um, Even so... To be on standby, if God forbid an emergency C-section were needed, one of the major reasons that an emergency C-section would be needed specifically with twins is because one twin can compress the cord of the other twin and the cord of twin B can prolapse, what we call a prolapse cord. And that would cut off blood supply to twin B. So that would require an emergency C-section. So that's really one of the main reasons why they take you into the operating room. So yeah, it's not like the most pleasant room to give birth in. Well, you're on, they put you on the operating table. There are, there is in the room, two OBs, two um, labor and delivery nurses, three NICU nurses, the doctor from the NICU, one anesthesiologist, and my husband. So it's a full room. There's lights, camera actions. There's literally lights everywhere. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is happening? And then my doctor's like, okay, let's do this. Ready to push. And Sophia just like came right out. And then I thought you just deliver baby B. Apparently not. They were doing throughout my entire pushing baby A out, which was like literally three seconds. 
they saw they're doing sonograms the whole time and then all of a sudden everyone starts to scream stop and i'm like what am i stopping stop what like you cannot push right now just stop i'm like okay then they break baby b's water then baby b actually turned transverse during baby a's delivery but that's fine because my doctor stuck his hands up there literally grabbed david's head and flipped it downward and he's like just give me two pushes and he's out on david's born 11 minutes later yeah that's awesome yes and and like you said there are a lot of providers that'll do that there's just more room for them to stick their hands up there you're fully dilated um so that's fantastic wow i'm glad that that was like a cliffhanger there i was worried that you were going to have a C-section. I've had patients that had one vaginal and then a C-section. Yes. So I have a friend who was like that. So good for you. And I actually had the easiest recovery because they were my smallest babies. They were six and a half pounds. My other babies were like nine pounds. So thank God I really did not need stitches, um, which is not like super common. Usually with twins, like they say that they have to help you deliver them. So there are stitches involved. But for me, my six and a half pound twins each didn't require that. Um, I was very nervous that they would need oxygen or they would need NICU. And really, I got really, really lucky that they didn't. And they were totally fine. And going to 39 weeks helped me because their lungs were great and everything was great. And I was uncomfortable for two weeks. But in the long run, I was able to take all my babies right away. So good for you for having patience. That's really hard. Good for you. It was really hard because I also had to like play it off on Instagram as if like everything's totally chill and chipper, but it was not. <laughs> um, it was it was hard, but it was definitely worth it. And I'm very lucky because I have a lot of friends who I have so many friends who have twins, which is so strange. Like a really good friend of mine had twins like three, four weeks before me. Um, my best friend has twins, a boy and a girl. Um, I have so many friends with twins and only one that I know of gave birth vaginally with no other complications. And that's why a lot of people choose to do a C-section because they don't want to take the risk of having to push out a baby and going through that trauma plus the trauma of a C-section because then the recovery is really hard from what I hear. Um, so I'm just, I'm really like very grateful about that whole situation. Yeah, because then you're recovering from both a vaginal and a C-section. And, you know, I don't want to scare anyone who's having twins because it's kind of weighing all of your options and there is a good chance that you will have just a, a vaginal delivery for both. I'm so glad that you had that vaginal birth and it's amazing that you have such a strong support network of people who have twins. That's really, yeah. really great. Yeah. There's actually a twin chat that we're on, that I'm on and it's nice because like people recycle their stuff or if like I outgrew this, it was a newborn that they could use this. Like it's really, it's a nice Nice little community. And I feel like when I see like other twin moms, it's like this special bonding connection thing. This like special sisterhood. Yeah, for sure. So what was it like taking care of two newborns? I'm really grateful that I have really good help. <laughs> I always say like, if you're going to have twins, you need really good help. Like anybody will say that. I even think that the government will give somebody who doesn't have the financial means for twins a baby nurse. I mean, you don't get to choose them. It's assigned, but I'm pretty sure that the government covers it for X amount of time. Um, I'm very open and honest about my post, my depression and anxiety postpartum. And it just is not something that I'm able to 
deal with or cope with with newborns right away. I very I get very anxious. Like my postpartum comes out with anxiety. I get very anxious. I get very nervous. Crazy scenarios play out in my head. So for me, the best thing that I could do for myself and my family and my mental health is pass my babies to my nurse who I trust. And she was with me with Bella for a very long time. And I basically say, I love you, Sally. That's her name. I trust my babies with you. If you need anything, I'm in bed. So she's here. I have the babies. At this point, they're four months. Thank God I outgrew my postpartum time at like three months. So it's been a lot easier now transitioning and I take care of them on the weekends. We don't have help on the weekends. And it's really nice. I don't think that right when I came home from the hospital, I would have been capable of it just where my mental state was. But now it's nice. It's nice. They're big. They can hold their heads up. They're not so fragile. You know, they're, they're a lot less uh, hard to hold. I don't know. They're just, they're much bigger. So I feel like they're less delicate and I'm okay. Yeah. They hold themselves up better. They have better head control. And four months is such a great age. I love it. They look at you, they smile, they laugh, but they're not crawling around and destroying your house yet. Yeah. And they started interacting with each other. So it's really sweet. And I'm just really grateful that my husband and my family helped me get the best help that I can get. And I'm all for asking for help in any situation that you mentally can't or physically can't deal with. Yeah, I'm getting that sense. You're very resourceful. I try because I feel like as moms, we wear so many hats. We're wives, we're mothers, we're people in our own right. We're sisters, we're daughters, we're friends. There, You need to take care of yourself in order to wear all the other hats and kind of take care of everything else. But if you're just going to let yourself and your mental and physical abilities kind of dwindle, then you're just not going to be able to do anything right. It's a balancing act. And like you said, you had two other children to worry about. And they didn't have an easy time of you being pregnant for those nine months on top of everything. So you need to preserve yourself also for them. And they kind of probably needed you a lot more emotionally than the newborns did. Newborns just need to be fed. They need to be changed and kept clean and, you know, rocked and everything like that. And it's important for a mother to bond and take care of her babies. But at the same time, they care less about that. <laughs> oh, I meant to say, by the way, with twins, some hospitals have different policies. Can I just said bond? I didn't get to do skin to skin with my twins. And that really upset me. And I'm still like upset about it till this day because it's just that like special 10 minutes where like you meet the people that were inside of you, you know, and my hospital does not do that with twins because they take them right away to make sure that like all their vitals are okay. And I'm still really upset about it. And like, I still like put them on my chest to do skin to skin and they're not interested because they're four months. They're like, uh, uh, this ain't happening, mom. But I still try to like recreate that moment. And it's really sad for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that stinks. So when did you find out about that policy? And when you're talking about skin to skin, you mean immediate skin to skin, like baby comes out. Yeah, when they're all like dirty and gross and you get to just like hold them in your chest. I didn't know about that till I actually gave birth. Nobody told me. They didn't tell me. Well, it's good for people to know. I think that at 39 weeks, it would be pretty reasonable to ask. And even if there's like hospital policy or protocol, or whatever it is, it's it's reasonable, I think, to ask for an exception. And, you know, if baby comes out breathing fine and everything, we can do the initial like drying the baby off and trying to get the baby to cry on 
someone's chest. It was probably like just in the moment and everything and they wanted to make sure everyone was good. So it was actually because my babies, they said when I asked, it was because they were in two different sacks and they were nervous that I would drop the baby while I was like trying to figure out while they were doing everything to baby B. And then once baby B came out, they need to assess him. So they weren't going to give me baby A. And then they were like, we'll just give it to you, give them both to you when you're in your room. And I was like, that's sad. My husband got to like hold them before I did. That part I didn't expect. And I wish that I maybe like prepared myself but you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah, it's a missed experience. It's yeah. always hard when you have a missed experience that you really wanted. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you, I know that you had discussed, you chose to feed your babies by bottle, yes. not to breastfeed. And I just want to say, you spoke about having postpartum anxiety dep- slash depression. Did you have that with your first two as well? I didn't know what it was with my first because I feel like maybe that's, the positive thing about Instagram is that there's much more out there now. But at the time when I had my son, I was a wreck and I did not know. And I didn't want to tell anybody. I was like embarrassed. Like who cries every second after they have a baby? You're supposed to be so happy. Who's anxious like this after they have a baby? You're supposed to be so happy. And I didn't know what it was. And I was trying to force myself to nurse and nothing was coming. And I was just that even like contributed to feeling even worse about myself. Um, But with my daughter, I knew I was able to identify it, I was able to pinpoint it, I was able to treat it, I was able to medicate it when it got really, really bad, and kind of work through it. So I knew right away what to do when I was feeling a specific way. I think that it's important for moms to know that if they struggle with this, or If they have a history with it, they're likely to struggle with it again in repeat pregnancies and having a baby. And I, part of, I think you're being resourceful is choosing to bottle feed your babies and having less stress in terms of breastfeeding. Also, people who have PCOS can have more difficulty, more difficulty with, with uh, milk supply as well. So I like that you were just okay with it and you were happy and you weren't like stressed and you weren't hard on yourself like that. Um, and that it sounds like you really created a beautiful experience for yourself. I mean, I would imagine twins being so hard, but you just seamlessly adjusted to it. I think that for me, I appreciate the whole, like I went through such a hard experience to get them. It was a really, it was a rough road. So everything in life is an adjustment. One to two was an adjustment. Two to four is an adjustment. I'm very realistic with my capabilities of what we can do while we have twins and everybody at home. Like we just don't go out for Shabbos meals. We don't spend Sunday fun days at the petting zoo or whatever. We're home and that's okay. And we spend a lot of time just here and home. And I think that that helps because I'm not like setting these crazy expectations for myself because if I did, then I think that would be harder. Um, just for like a small example, let's say winter break, people are talking about it. And I'm like, I'm staying home. I have four kids on weekends. I'm not packing up to go anywhere. And that's okay. And if I'm honest with myself, I think that it's just a much easier thing to uh, deal with and to be okay with. Um, I also think that if you appreciate kind of the process of pregnancy, and if you ever experienced or if anybody's ever experienced a pregnancy loss, you don't ever think negatively about your situation anymore. You just are so thankful and so grateful and so happy that you have healthy 
babies or baby. And that kind of helps keep you in that positive mindset, at least for me. That definitely gives you a different perspective. Yeah. And thank you for being so honest about how you cope. You know, you're an influencer on Instagram. A lot of people are seeing you. We often talk about the culture of social media where lifestyle influencers appear to have it all and do it all and be it all. And I think it can be really helpful for people, even with one baby, mm-hmm. to see to see that it's okay. Everyone has their seasons in life. And right now your season is is to do what you have to do to get through the hard job of raising baby twins. I think that it's very important for first-time moms to kind of know that, like two things, for nursing and for any postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression, it doesn't have to be like a super extreme. It doesn't have to be that, you know, you wake up and you just want to die. It could be that you're having small panic attacks or thinking about if you're having a boy and thinking about the breast is bringing on like really hard emotions or it doesn't have to be this extreme for you to be experiencing something and speak to people, speak to your doctor, speak to your mom, speak to your husband, speak to your sister. There's so many great ways to cope with it, whether it's therapy, whether it's medicine, whether it's just talking to your doctor and figuring out something that works. I wish that I did that with my first pregnancy because then I think that I would have had a much easier time and I wouldn't have been so nervous and so self-conscious as a parent. And then also with the nursing thing, like it doesn't have to be that you have mastitis or just not whatever for you not to want to nurse. Some people, it's just not going to work or you don't want to. And I chose, I A, can't nurse, like it doesn't work for me, but B, with this time, I'm like, nope, I want a bottle. And hospitals are going to push breast is best. And, you know, everybody and their sister is going to tell you how good breast is best and blah, blah, blah. My kids are fine. They've been formula fed. They're great. Um, I just, I think that you have to do whatever is best for you because at the end of the day, your fr- best friend isn't living in your house taking care of your sis- your baby. Your sister's not taking care of your baby. You are. So you have to do what's going to work for you and whatever's going to fit into your day and your routine. And it's not selfish to not want a nurse. It's just, I wish that it wasn't so taboo to give a bottle. Yeah. I think especially in the from culture, I think, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I think there's a lot more emphasis on the nursing and everyone's, you know, how are you feeding your babies? How are you feeding your babies? They literally ask, are you nursing? It's not, are you giving a bottle? It's, are you nursing? Oh, why? It's like, because I don't want to. Or they'll give you a million remedies. Okay, you have to drink this tea and drink beer and eat the mother's milk cookies and do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to have amazing milk. Uh, great, fantastic. I don't want a nurse. <laughs> That's what I respond. Like, you could give me the cure. You could stick another, like, boob on me. I'm still not going to nurse. I've come to this realization that breast it's not breast is best. It's not fed is best. It's supported is best. And people should be supported in whichever direction they want to go into. You should get the education and know and integrate whatever it is into your lifestyle. And I do see some moms get so crazy over the breastfeeding and they just go overboard and the rest of their family is suffering and they don't take the rest of their family into consideration and their mental health into consideration And I think that it's so important to moderate and to balance. So I just wanted to shout that out. 
too. You're confident in your decisions and it's nice to give people who are into breastfeeding the awareness that it it's not really polite to go asking people if they're nursing their babies, you know? Um, I mean, you know, everything in the right situation. Um, yeah. But yeah. So Cami, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to other moms who are either pregnant with twins or have new twins? I do, but I think that this might be like a general and not necessarily only geared towards twins, but that much more so when you are having twins. Um, it takes two. I mean, in my case, it takes a lot of doctors and science to make babies too, but it really takes two, you know, leaving God out, of, leaving Judaism and all that out of this. And there's two people going through what you're going through. Yes, I'm the one laboring and I'm the one delivering the baby. But don't forget about that other person um, who is who is there for your whole journey and is supporting you and is hopefully helping you. Um, they're going through a lot too. And they might go through their own kind of postpartum anxiety about losing their wife to this now newborn child or children or, you know, all of a sudden your life become changes and it changes also for your husband. So I think that it's very important to keep that in mind that your life is not the only life that's changing. It's also your spouse's and to just talk and make sure that you're giving him attention. I know this sounds like you're having, like he's a baby, but he's not, but men maybe aren't vocal about these things. They definitely have a harder time being open with their emotions. And you have to just, I think that the best thing that I did was a, I bought my husband a push present, quote unquote, but it was more like a thank you for your support for the past nine months. I know that there's a lot that's going to be changing and you know, your bedroom life takes a backseat for a while. And for men, that's like very difficult because that's how they feel, especially if a man's love language is physical touch, but it takes kind of a backseat and you know, their wife is no longer living, breathing, moving, walking for them. Now it's, there's another baby. Or if it's twins, there's two babies. Or, you know, it's even if for the next 13 years of the twins' life, like they're babies till they're 13, I feel like, right? I feel like kids are just babies till they're like 12 or 13. Um, and it's, it's, it's a big emotional change for your spouse as well. And I actually was told this by somebody when I was pregnant with my first, just remember... Our, like your husband, my husband's name is Ariel. Just remember him in the background that, you know, you might be going through a challenge and it might be hard for you and you're having sleepless nights or whatever, but it's also hard for your husband who's kind of like lost that intimate, just you guys against the world thing. And now it's beautiful and it's amazing and he's not unhappy about it, God forbid, but just remember that they could be going through their own adjustments and just help them and be there for them and they're going to be there for you hopefully. And it's, it takes two to tango. And I've seen men after like their babies are born and they seem kind of like they're floundering around or flustered and just you know, help them a little guide them. Don't judge them too harshly. If they hold the baby the wrong way or upside down or whatever it is. Or I remember my husband was feeding the twins and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, it's fine. You're fine. We'll figure this out. Um, I think that's a, a pretty good piece of advice for especially young moms that it's not, it's, it's hard for us. Yeah. Physically, but it's also hard for them mentally, emotionally, and all that good stuff. 
That's such an important concept. It's it's a major readjustment, yeah. family readjustment. Everyone in the family has to readjust their identity, yeah. their their role. And I think that if you are open to listening to your spouses. Or kids. It could even be kids. Like your kids are going through a hard time. For sure. My son had an extremely difficult time with Bella. He would tell me, and I remember freaking out. He's like, I want to kill her. And I started freaking out. I'm like, this is not normal. So I actually spoke to like a childhood therapist and she's like, um, it's very normal. You just took him from your, he's the center of your universe. And now all of a sudden you're putting this stranger who he's not been pregnant with for the past nine months. You're giving him this stranger to now say, okay, you have to love them and you have to be there for them. And you're their older brother. You're their older sister or whatever it is. It is a huge identity crisis almost for them. Like, they want it, but they also don't because now everything's changed. And I remember being like, I thought my son was a psychopath. Like, what are we going to do? And she's like, no, no, no. This is totally normal. So also for kids, it's a very big adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Everyone in the family is adjusting to a new role. And I think, you know, the couple is probably the priority, keeping that relationship and I think that if you're open with with your acknowledging that your spouse is also going through their own experience, it can it can probably really connect you to be open and discuss both of your experiences and both of your feelings. Cami, thank you so much for joining us here. I know how busy you are. Before we go, can we please review how others can reach you, what platforms you have? Yes, please DM me on Instagram. I try my very best. I sometimes am not so great about it, but I answer most of my DMs, even if they're personal. If it's anything, fertility struggles, I send you to my doctor. If it's, you know, PCOS, I send you to my endocrinologist. If you're dealing with postpartum depression, I'll try to help you out, but reach out to me. I'm a non-judgmental ear. So you can reach Cami at The Mommy Dictionary on Instagram. She's got great stuff. I love your account it's awesome it's real but it's also cool and it's an awesome like just lifestyle blogger account that i love to follow and i am going to put that information in our show notes as well so thanks again cammy thank you for having me enjoy the babies and your whole family thank you thanks for tuning into the happy birthday podcast Head over to Yolented Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.